Good morning. Welcome to church. I I genuinely miss seeing people's faces. <laughs> it's I mean, don't get me wrong. It is wonderful seeing your face <laughs> while while preaching, but um, the fact of the matter it's it's just not the same. It's not the same uh, without yeah. without just interactions. I mean, right now we are literally giving a message to a cell phone. And uh, it's it's just not the same as seeing your face, and and we miss you. And with that, I, I wanted to kind of have an exercise, if you will. And would you right now think about reflect on the first day of social distancing? What was the first day like for you? Really think about it. What happened? Were there was there a possibility that? You could be hurt if you got too close to someone else. What was the emotion that you were feeling in that moment? You know, what what did that look like? Was it hard when you had to shut doors off to friends and family members? What did social distancing look like for you at the beginning? Because something happens. So when we go through some kind of trauma or we go through something, we know the emotions we feel right away but eventually it becomes commonality and routine. And so I don't want you to think about social distancing right now. I want you to think about social distancing when it started for you. What was, what was that? What did it look like? How did things change? How did they feel? What were the emotions you felt? What, what was it like? You know, did, did individual projects start up because group projects ended? Um, did you have the feeling of a loss of community? Were you hurt? Reflect on when it first happened. And we have we have been in this for a long time now, and it's just become normalcy. And it's really interesting to think about where we're at now and where we started with this social distancing idea. And it's, it's interesting. I wrote down, eventually social distancing goes from being awkward to commonality. Right? At first it's kind of awkward because it's not normal. But then it becomes a new normal. So it, here's, here's what I want to get at. I never once said coronavirus or COVID, but I want to guess most people thought that's what I was implying. But it's not. I, I wanted to parallel what's happening right now with social distancing, with the coronavirus, with the uh, disease, if you will, of social, social distancing in the North American church in the last 70 years. Because this interesting thing happens, right? In church, you can put up your wall and your guards and you can literally social distance emotionally. Right now, we're physically doing it because of COVID-19. But in the church, it's been happening a long time emotionally and mentally because of whatever reason. You know, it's like, oh, I want to put my guard up. I I don't want to, I'm going to socially distance myself away from this person or this group or all the peoples because I don't really want them to see what's going on in me. And I want to say we were more prepared for social distancing than we thought we were. 
because guards and barriers and all these other things have, have been up in the church for a long time. And the irony of it is in our, in our Can't Counsel Hope sermon series, right? It's all about, you know, bad things can happen, but hope can never be canceled. Hope can never leave. Hope can never quit because hope is a name and that name is Jesus. That is the entire premise of the sermon series. And we are focusing on hope from a distance. Hope, how to have hope when we're socially distanced. How to have hope when we're separated. How to have hope when we have our walls up and all these other things on, whether it's in coronavirus or it's been happening for the last 20 years in our life because we are guarded and don't want people on the inside. And the ironic thing, my, my favorite part, is the scripture that I feel like I've preached on the most in the last two decades is the woman at the well. We're going to be jumping into John chapter 4 in just a moment into this amazing scene that unfolds. We don't have time to read the entire story, so I want to encourage you to read it on your own from John chapter 4 verse 1 through all the way to the end. But it's this, this scene where this woman is isolated, social distanced herself from her community, shows up at this well, and Jesus is sitting on the well, and she's a little bit alarmed. right? Because the context of this is the, the women would come to draw water from the well at cool parts of the day. right? So the sun wasn't beating down on them. It wasn't uncomfortable, but she has chosen to avoid the comfortable times where everyone would be because she has some things going on in her life that she doesn't want people to be talking about in front of her. They, she, doesn't, she doesn't want it, right? She has chosen to social distance herself into the hottest part of the day, the most uncomfortable moment, and came to find Jesus sitting there, an unlikely encounter. And this is, this is what happens. John chapter 4, jumping down to verse 13. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. He's referring to the well that he's sitting on top of. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artisan spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. I'm reading out the message translation. If you don't have this translation that you're reading out, it'll look a little bit differently. But I just, I love the imagery of it. Gushing, gushing fountains, the, the Greek pullout of here is this word, this, this concept of abruptly gushing, abruptly leaping. It, the word is found three times in the New Testament. It's found right here and then two other times when paralyzed people are healed and they leap out of their paralyzed state. Right, it's this word. They are so excited because they have been paralyzed, unable to move, and they erupt out of their state. Right, they leap up. One says they leaps into the temple to praise God. You know, it's these this this explosion, if you will. Uh, the the imagery I have here, it's a little bit unique. It's a little bit different. The, the word to me, when, when I read this word, it's the concept of when you drop uh, Mentos inside of Diet Coke and it just erupts. If you've ever seen a child doing this on YouTube, uh, it's priceless. I love when they, they drop the Mentos down while they're still looking to see what, as if it's going to happen within the, and it just explodes on their, it's, it's hilarious. 
And so Jesus says, the water I give will be an artisan spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. This concept that if, if you take from my source of life, it'll be gushing out. It will never end. And it's not just some trickle or small effect. It is this abrupting, explosive joy that will come out if you drink from my well. And I love that image in this moment where she has socially isolated and distanced herself. Right? Because she's about to taste this life. And then in verse 15, the woman says, Sir, give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty. Won't ever have to come back to this well again. In her mind, she's thinking, give me this water so I can social distance in my house and never leave it again. That's, that's what she's really getting at here. That's what's going on. She's saying, if I could have your water, I could avoid all the people that hate me. I want to avoid people. Let me be a more of an introvert, please. <laughs> So give me this water so I won't ever get thirsty. Won't ever have to come back to this well again. He said, go call your husband and come on back. And she said, I have no husband. That's nicely put. I have no husband. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. Oh, so you're a prophet. <laughs> she has the realization that this man who's explaining this endless source of, of water is actually spiritual and not physical. She has a realization that she's not going to be quenched by water that's going to keep filling her bucket, but this water is going to keep filling her spiritual bucket. This new life is about to transpire. And she has this realization because Jesus read her mail so deeply and she was shocked by it. This woman at the well was socially distancing herself from her own community for several reasons. These reasons really still plague the church today. The, the very reason of why this woman really distanced herself from her community, I fully believe parallels why people put up walls and barriers and they social distance themselves from other people within that community. So why do people socially distance themselves in church and community? Number one, fear. Fear. She was so afraid of what other people would say about her, think about her, talk about her in front of her, behind her back. She was so afraid. She was afraid she, because she had a fear of people's disapproval of her and her lifestyle. Dare I say it? I really think people are afraid of opening up and doing life together because they have this fear of, will you disapprove of my lifestyle? Will you disapprove of me? And this fear is plaguing them. Have you ever been afraid of just being yourself? Fear of judgment? Fear of just saying, hey, today I'm hurting. 
You know, or, or are we have we tricked ourselves into believing that when we go to church, we have to put on this facade of perfectness mm-hmm. and say, how are you? I'm blessed. How are you? I'm blessed. You know, and it's this blessed showdown at high noon. No. We need to be genuine. Because in community is where the transformation starts happening. In connection, that's where the transformation. I love it. The, the strength of the church, it's, it's twofold. It's Jesus and it's people. God breaks down everything into the two greatest commandments is, is love God, love people. Right? Even the shape of the cross formulates that very law, right? The, the cross is built into this horizontal and vertical beam, this beam that's pointing to heaven as if to say, where you stand, you should be looking to God. But at that very moment, horizontally, you should be looking to your neighbors. The shape of the cross embodies the two greatest laws that God gave, and it echoes throughout time. I mean... I don't think it's I don't think it's a coincidence at all that the the symbol of salvation in religion is a cross and as we wear it it not only embodies what Jesus did for us but it embodies the two greatest commandments relationship with God love your God and relationship with others next to you right I think I think it's interesting when we wear a cross on a chain and when we go to church it's actually pointing us to what we're supposed to be doing. Right? The, the, the cross is pointing the people next to us in community. And when we allow fear into our lives, we strip away half of the cross, half of the greatest commandments, half of the, two, half of the laws that Jesus said. And it's in fear that we begin isolation, and, and that's a slippery slope. What other fears cause people to self-isolate away from community? What, what other fears happen? What, what else is going on? I mean, the, the hottest topic right now, and I, I feel like it's been a hot topic forever, but no one talks about it, is racism skin color on on all sides all all colors of skin there there is this fear that has crept in of will i be accepted because of the melanin in my skin or likewise will will i be able to accept someone because of their melanin of their skin or whatever the case is i think we allow fear to play into it and, and we make judgments and and we come to conclusions that we need to social distance ourselves. I said that word so many times today, but I need this to hit home. I need you to grasp it. I need you to understand that we need to do life together and move past the fear and the social distancing that's going on. Is it fear? Is it it racism? What what things are are keeping us, you, me, anyone, away from, from community? I do want to say that we stand in solidarity with our our black brothers and sisters in this. And we say it personally. We say it as as leaders of our church. 
Our leader of the denomination said it also, Randy, with, with his letter. And, and we cannot allow fear or anything to keep us from community. Mm-hmm. My prayers are, are that self-isolation will break the chains of racism. The moment that self-isolation breaks, the moment that this, this kind of pretending to be in community but not really there, when that breaks, mm-hmm. racism will break. And when racism breaks, this will break. And I think they're tied together. We need to be in community. Number two, another reason, first one is fears. Number two is past hurts. Why do people not join fully into community? It's because we're afraid we're going to get hurt again. I don't want this to happen. It hurt. I mean, I, I remember as a child, I was trying to cook something in the oven and I stuck my hand in too far and they had those coils on the top and I burned myself. I didn't do it again. I always watched myself out of fear that I would do it. I would, I would be very cautious. And I think our, our past hurts have caused us to be too cautious in diving into community. Past hurts prevent us. The, the thing that we need the most, in reality, our hurts prevent us from, from doing it. I remember um, I really hated shots. I, I don't. Some people like shots. Some people. I don't. <laughs> I don't like shots. I like donating blood. <laughs> Saves lives. You know, it's just the the needle saying maybe someday I'll get over. I don't know. Whatever. But I remember. <laughs> I just. I had a traumatic experience as a kid. I had to get a shot, and the the nurse held me down and then I kicked her and then there were several nurses holding me down and just freaked me out. So fast forward when I was in college, I got sick. Like really, really sick. The point, uh, Jake Davis, he preached at our church once. He was my roommate, Patty. We were just dating. And I remember I kept getting sicker and sicker to the point where he would walk in the room and just kind of hold his shirt over his mouth, grab whatever he needed and just leave. He lived somewhere else for a while and and I was just in this incubator of sickness in this dorm room. And I didn't want to say doctor because the first thing I thought is, they're going to give me a shot. I'll ride this out. And I remember my, my average weight at the time was like 165. I'm, I'm usually around that, uh, except for COVID times, I've, I've increased with favor in my weight. Um, <laughs> if you, I don't know. I don't know what that means. But 165, and I remember during that, I dropped to 130. So six foot tall, 130, you see all the ribs, you see all the bones. And it got to the point of, I was talking to Patty on the phone, and I just started crying. I was like, <laughs> in, like, not, my words weren't even articulate. I just, just mumbling. And Patty's like, I'm just going to come pick you up. You hop in, and I'll drop you off at a hospital. That's what's going to happen. And so I was like, okay. <laughs> so she called again, hop in the car, they took me, and he's like, we're going to give you a shot. Um, it's going to hurt, and it's not where you you want to get a shot. <laughs> At this point, it was so far past it. And if I had just seen a doctor initially, I wouldn't have had to end up in that kind of state. 
but I had this like fear and this past hurt that was keeping me from what I really needed. And I think so many times is in, in church, in community, we have this past hurt that prevents us from what we really need. And we'll get into such a bad state that we have to get into the community. And it's just harder than if we just started right now. Man, what? Is there something that hurts you when you were a kid? Maybe last week? I don't know. And you're embarrassed about it or you're hurting that's preventing you from community. Man, forget about it. You need to step out. You need to join community. Start doing life together. This woman at the well was so hurt by her past. She was, what, five husbands and on a new man that wasn't even her husband? Yeah, she was hurt by people. She didn't even want to see people. Number three, insecurities. Insecurities. Insecurities keep us from community. Right? Oh, what are they gonna what are they gonna think about me? What oh I don't I don't like this about myself. What if they say, what if they think, what if all the for come on. I know it's very easy to say. Uh, I remember I think there's a period in my life, it spanned about a year and a half. I didn't smile. I did not smile for a year and a half. There's I don't even think there is a picture that exists. I think my dad forced me to open my mouth and he got a picture somehow, but I didn't smile because I had braces and I had the insecurity that I thought I was ugly. Because I thought I was ugly, I didn't smile. And I think the interesting thing is we have these insecurities that will cause us to make snap decisions that prevent us from actually stepping forward. And it's all tied together. It's the fears, the hurts, and the insecurities that keep us from the community of what we really need. What insecurities do you have that maybe you haven't addressed yet? What hurts? What fears? What's, what's something that's lingering around that, that maybe you need to deal with? Why are you social distancing from doing life together? It's a question I ask myself. I, I want to encourage you to ask yourself that. What, what, not during Corona times, but in the past, when it was person to person, right? What, what, what prevented you from jumping into doing life together? And then let's fast forward from the past to Corona times. We are in an age of technology. There is no reason we can't video chat, call, text, homing, homing pigeon someone, I don't know, carrier pigeon. There is all the technologies available to get into community. The coronavirus is not an excuse to not be in community. Mm-hmm. The cure to social distancing is Jesus. Right? That's it. That is plain and simple. That's the answer. I feel like every answer to every sermon ever is Jesus. In Sunday school, if you were a child watching with your parents right now in church, this very message, the answer in every Sunday school class is always Jesus. Right? If you were doodling or not, it's Jesus. 
and sometimes Moses, right? They get old school sometimes. <laughs> if you said Jesus and they look at you, Moses, you're good. Maybe Noah every once in a while, but the cure to social distancing is Jesus. Jesus deals with our fears, our hurts, and our insecurities. So jumping back in our story, John chapter 4, let's jump down to verse 27. Just then, his disciples came back. Jesus and the, the woman has had a ongoing conversation for quite a while. They came back. They were shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking with that kind of a woman. Ooh. You know. You know that they know what's going on. Right? There was more at play here. They could visually see something was going on, and they knew that this was that kind of woman right there. They were shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking with that kind of woman. No one said what they were all thinking, but their faces showed it. I love the message translation. <laughs> it's just so funny. The woman took the hint and left. Can can we can we acknowledge that what the woman was socially distancing from in the village? These strangers who were the disciples of Jesus just did the same thing to her as the people that don't know Jesus. When we start going into community, we can't allow past hurts to dictate how we jump in. We can't allow other believers, disciples, leaders, pastors, whoever, to stop us from getting into community. If I was in this woman's shoes, and I had this traumatic experience of all these people who threw shade on me, if you will, throughout my whole life. And then I finally met Jesus and I, I accepted him as my Lord and Savior and he was part of my heart. And then in this context, he's a rabbi. So his followers come in and they look at me the same way that people from my home did, mm-hmm. I'd be out. Yeah. Right? I would be, I'd be like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like, it breaks my heart to think that not only did this happen back then, but I think it happens today. Where believers get so self-righteous thinking, oh, mm-hmm. I, I am just one step down from Jesus, but I'm better than everyone else. And it's damaging. And the people that are one step below Jesus, they are in so much social distancing and barriers and blockades around themselves that they need what this woman needs. But my favorite part of the story is it doesn't end here. The woman takes the hint, sees her faces, leaves. Well, let's see what she does next. Verse 28, jumping back in, the woman took the hint and left. In her confusion, she left her water pot. The very reason why she came there, she left behind. 
out of hurtfulness, shock, whatever, confusion. Back in the village, this is the best part. Back in the village, she told the people, come see a man who knew all about the things I did, who knows me inside and out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went out to see for themselves. The story doesn't end there. Right? She had been hurt by the people. She had been hurt by Jesus' followers and core disciples. Went back to the people that hurt her in the first place and said, Come with me. You got to see Jesus. Right? Completely forgot about the disciples that hurt her and said, It's not about that. She found enough grace in her life to have mercy on these fools that I believe you and myself can have mercy on the people that do things to us and try to hurt us. Maybe they don't even know better and they hurt us. We can forgive them, okay? Let's forgive those people today because Jesus wants to do something in our lives to impact other lives. And we can't allow the hurt from others to stop the work of Jesus. Let's let's jump back down to, to verse 39. This story just keeps echoing down. Many of the Samaritans from that village committed themselves to him, Jesus, because of this woman's witness. He knew all about the things I did. He knows me inside and out. They asked him to stay on, so Jesus stayed two days. A lot more people entrusted their lives to him when they heard what he had to say. They said to the woman, we're no longer taking this on your say-so. We've heard it for ourselves and know it for sure. He's the Savior of the world. This woman decided to no longer allow being hurt prevent her from doing life together. She got hurt by people. She got hurt by the disciples. Then she took the people that hurt her to go meet Jesus and the disciples. And then they, in turn, met Jesus, and then more met Jesus. It's this kind of thing that one person makes a difference. That's crazy. A community is one person away from their lives being changed. Right now, if if you're watching, your community is one person away from being changed. And that one person is you. You are the connection to your community that will be changed. And the hardest part is in that community are people that hurt you. In that community lies the fears that you're going to have to overcome. In that community lies the insecurities that know you that you will have to overcome. And those can be obstacles that are so terrifying that we don't actually want to do life together that prevents us from moving forward just because. So the the key to breaking out of social distancing is, I'm using plan words. Please understand I'm not talking about breaking out of the coronavirus social distancing here. Okay, that, that's not what I'm getting at. It's just a play on words. It's the key of breaking up social distancing in terms of what's going to cause you 
in this 21st century while quarantined to do life together. So number one, be honest with yourself and Jesus. This is the first key to everything. This woman had to, this woman completely, you know, wasn't herself at first. She's like, oh, give me this. Oh, I love that. Tell me more. And then he's like, oh, go grab your husband. And she's like, what? You must be a prophet. She had to be honest with herself and with Jesus before any transformation would happen. And I want to challenge you. Being honest with yourself is a huge step. Right? Only so much things can fit underneath your kitchen rug. Babe, that is not where I sweep the stuff. The dust, do not look under the kitchen rug, okay? <laughs> you can only store so many things under the rug. You have to start being honest with yourself. You have to start being honest with Jesus. That's, that is the first step to breaking into doing life together. The second is turn tragedy into testimony. The tragedy became her testimony. <laughs> she started being honest with herself, which led her to be honest with people, right? She ran over the people that everyone knew. She's on her fifth man, right? Was it fifth? She was married five times and now it's the sixth, or she's married four times and now it's the fifth. Whatever it is, people know. The secret's out. She was able to be honest with herself, which led her to being honest with those people and said, hey, you all know my story. Some stranger who's not even our race knew about me. Let's go meet him. <laughs> Everyone's like, okay, <laughs> let's do it. it. It's this crazy thing. We need to turn our tragedies into testimonies. Our tragedies, they hurt. They were awful. They were bad. They were gross, they were icky, they were whatever. But our tragedies become our testimonies. As this, is, this is how community happens. This is how doing life together happens. We are in one of the craziest tragedies our country has ever seen. And, and it, is, it is wild. Can you imagine the testimonies that are coming out of this right now? Can you imagine the love that's happening? Can you imagine the stories that are coming out of this? Can you imagine what is going on? We are going to see some insane testimonies. I mean, the history books are going to be changed forever, and we're part of it. Not only that, you are in a community right now. I am in a community that only you can reach, that only I can reach, and only you can reach. We're reaching these individual communities, and we need to start doing life together, and we need to be honest with the people in our community. No more facades, no more faking it, no more walls, no more barriers. And we only get to that point because we're honest with ourselves and with Jesus. Right? It's, it's this natural flow that we got to see so brilliantly laid out in this woman's life. Our church is digging deeper 
into what God has called us to do, which is doing life together. I don't know how many times I've said doing life together in this one message, but I hope it sticks. I, I, I need you to do it. I need you to step out. Your next step today. This, is, this isn't a challenge. This isn't like a youth pastor, youth group kind of challenge. Like, I challenge you. 25 people. Do, this, isn't, that, this isn't that. But I challenge you. I'm just kidding. Your next step today is I want you to message someone through a phone call, text message, email, Facebook, Instagram, DM, whatever you got to do, however you communicate to this person. I want you to take the next step of messaging them. How can I pray for you today? And here's how you can pray for me. Great way to start being honest with someone in your community. That's a great opener. That is a great step. Uh, Do it today. Try it again on tomorrow, Monday, and again on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Try doing life together, starting this way. How can I pray for you? Here's how you can pray for me. We need to do life together. That's, that is, that's the secret. That's the goal. This, this woman's town, village, was transformed because she personally, one person, took the step to doing life together. blows my mind the power of one person building relationship let's pray Lord there is something going on in in our community in Ventura in this nation in whoever is watching this listening to this wherever they're at I pray for just an anointing and a boldness to come over them right now they know exactly who they need to message they know exactly who to send that text message phone call to lord i pray for the boldness to not let it be someone in their own household but it's someone in a different home in your mighty name i pray for favor for anointing for something to happen Lord, the transformation that happened in Samaria because of this woman, let it happen in our communities starting today. In your mighty name, amen. And if you have experienced past hurts and fears and insecurities, I challenge you to take some time this week to really um, partner with the Holy Spirit, to dig through and sift through some of that stuff. Uh, Reach out to others who maybe have gone through similar things. Do life together. talk it out, be encouraged by them, and and be encouraged by the fact that the Lord's going to use all those negatives, and His Word promises He turns them around for good. And so know that you are ready to impact somebody else's life and encourage them as well. So He always makes it, He always turns it into something good. So you can't be, you know, it's going to be good. it's just our time for tithe and offering. You can go ahead and click the link above, and it'll. Then you can go to our giving page and give there. Um, you can give to our children's fund uh, to just really improve our children's building and um, just all the fun stuff we have planned for them. Uh, check out this this link for kids camp. 
Um, sign your kids up. It'll it'll give them something amazing to do to keep busy during for a couple days this summer. Um, they have breakout sessions that the kids can choose from. They sound amazing and lots of fun. Uh, the first 10,000 kids to sign up get a free box of just supplies and merchandise and, and crafting supplies, I believe, to keep them um, interacting for summer camp. So it's going to be good. We're really excited to, yeah, it's to awesome. see how that's going to turn out. Um, next, if you received our newsletter, um, there's a link to a letter from our Foursquare president, Randy Remington. Um, please take the time to read it. If you do not get the newsletter, email us at info at lighthouse805.com so that we can add you onto the, the newsletter. But um, in this letter, he calls all the leaders um, to join him in three days of fasting, prayer, and lamenting um, over what's going on in our, our world today, over the tragedies that are happening to our black brothers and sisters. Um, and he's calling us to unite as a church. And so we're extending that invitation to all of you. So please, please consider doing this with us. Um, it starts tomorrow. It starts Monday, and it will end on Wednesday. Um, and it's just really a time for us to seek out the Lord and see what what God's going to use us to do to help make a change. Because it's it's long overdue, and as a church, we we need to take action and do that. Um, so join us in that, please, please, please. And finally, we have Father's Day coming up Ooh. next Sunday. We got a week, ladies. Uh, if you haven't ordered a gift yet. <laughs> Now's the time to do it. Um, we got your gift. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> um, Father's Day is coming up. Check out our social media because we're going to have some fun posts. You won't want to miss them. Um, to be able to just celebrate the dads, put them on the spot, uh, make fun of their lame dad jokes. <laughs> um it, and so check us out on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, and then you're going to host a Zoom call. Matt's going to host a Zoom call. And he's going to share his secret dry rub recipe um, with the gentlemen, um, dads, spiritual dads, men, brothers. You know, it, you get men, you're all welcome in on this secret. Yeah. Um, it's just a time for the guys to come together. And I was going to say, uh, when you come on, if you have... If you have a recipe or a dry rub or something else that you do that's special, bring it and share it. This is going to be a time where we're just hanging out and, and let's learn off of each other. Yeah, so. it's going to be good. So with that, you guys, I just made myself very hungry. <laughs> um, enjoy your Sunday. Enjoy the sun. Enjoy each other. Call up your friends. Do life together. Um, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. So we love you. God bless. Bye. <laughs>